Welcome to the New Freedom Church podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. Those words of that song, strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. How many think that that's a pretty good way to enter a new year, right? Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. And God has been faithful and God will continue to be faithful. Uh, One of the things that has become uh, kind of customary for me here uh, at the beginning of each year, uh, particularly since we've been in this building uh, for the last uh, eight years now, uh, is that uh, I will ask of the Lord a word that we would go for for the year, a direction. And, and there's really nothing real spooky about this. Uh, usually what I do is I sit down around Thanksgiving time and I try to uh, maybe just jot out some words that, that the Lord would put on my heart. Um, sometimes there's three or four words and I maybe have to wrestle one of them down and, and kind of see, okay, how does that apply to the current needs of our congregation? What's happening in our world and how does this speak to the lives of our, our people? And uh, as you can see on the walls as you walk in here, uh, you can see that every year we make a banner for the word of the year. And then we'll usually theme that out through messages and kind of uh, focus on that. And we'll, we'll kind of ebb and flow in and out of that, that word. And so you can look back and see the different words of the year. And uh, someone said, well, what's going to happen when you end up with a, a, a banners all around the room? I said, well, by the time we get over here and then back down, I'll probably be about retirement age. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know that that's going to really, really apply. That's going to need to be. But anyway, uh, this year, when I started looking at a word for the year, actually, this was on my top five list about two years ago. And I just knew it wasn't the time to, to go in this direction. And uh, any, anybody wondering what the word of the year is yet? <laughs> Okay, you're not worried, not worrying about that. Uh, so, so this was actually on my list a couple years ago, but I just knew that it, it wasn't time to do this word. It wasn't time to dive into this. Uh, but then uh, around the summer of 23, I realized that uh, this was continually coming up in my readings. It would, it would be something that uh, I personally wanted to dig into more and, and find out more about this. And so for 2024, as a congregation and as a body, we are going to be making a deep dive into discipleship. So the word for the year this year is discipleship. Everybody say that with me. Discipleship. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dig deep into what it looks like to walk in the way of Jesus. What it looks like to live in a manner that people would say, you remind me of Christ. They were first called Christians at Antioch. You can read in the book of Acts. They were first called Christians at Antioch. And the reason that they were called Christians was because it was in some ways kind of like a, a little bit of a, a, a slap in the face. They were called little Christs. They, they reminded people of Christ. And now today to be called a Christian should be a badge of honor. It should be something that we as followers of Jesus take very uh, highly as a, an honorable uh, name. And so being called a Christian, a Christian, a Christ-like one, is what we're going to look at this entire year through discipleship. This is going to be a year that will stretch your faith. It will challenge your walk. It will cause you to maybe take an inventory personally, but then outwardly there will be something that will start to show to you and to others. Now, I just want to preface at the beginning of this. We're going to really look at a lot of spiritual disciplines this year and different things. Everyone is going to be on a little different path journey on your discipleship 
uh, uh, walk with the Lord. So you cannot measure your discipleship with somebody else. Don't, don't get into this comparison trap where you start to feel guilty because you're not doing it like somebody else or you're not maybe uh, as deep in discipleship as someone else. God will speak to you by his spirit what areas that you need to focus on. One of the things that I think is a, a really good uh, process to start the year every year, but particularly if we're going to look at discipleship, is some type of a Bible reading plan. Now, we're going to provide you a New Testament and, an, and a uh, whole Bible reading plan. You can get those uh, at our information desk. We're going to make them available online as well. But if you like uh, paper copies, we have those today for you that you can read through the entire New Testament in one year. And there's a, a little schedule there, how many verses and chapters you have to do that. And then there's another one if you want to go on the advanced track and you want to do the Bible in one year, then there will uh, be a, another pathway how you can do that as well. But here's what I want to say. When it comes to discipleship, every one of the spiritual disciplines that we're going to talk about, including Bible reading, is not something that is a written mandate. It's not something that you have to feel guilty with if you don't complete it or you don't get, get as far as you want to or you miss several days and you feel like you can't get back on path. The whole goal of discipleship is that every single day we make another step closer to Jesus. Okay? It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about uh, checking the box so that you can say you did it. It's about a heart inclination and desire to the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 16 through 20. Uh, you will know this text as the Great Commission. But there is in this commission, this commissioning, this charge, there is this word. And the audience is addressed to a specific group of people that actually walked out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I want to tease this verse out just a little bit and maybe take a, a different approach than what you've seen before, uh, maybe in this great commission, because I think there are some things for us today that we need to hear. If you have it, say amen. amen. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. How many disciples were there? 11, then the 11. So we know that this is after Judas has already betrayed Jesus. We know that now he's already gone to his demise, and now there are 11 left. So this, this text, this context, is after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make, say it with me, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. These are the words of Jesus. We see that these 11 disciples, the remaining disciples of Jesus, were disillusioned. They were confused. They had no clear direction of what happens next. They had just lost their leader. Everything in the world had been turned upside down. They had been following this master, this teacher, this Messiah figure in their eyes for three and a half years. And now, he has gone and left them, and there's really very little instruction of what to do. And it says that 
what they were going to do next was the only thing that they could remember that he said, and that was that they were going to a mountain that he had appointed for them. So I love the first lesson that we see here in the text is that when you don't know what else to do, just go back to the last instruction you remember God saying to you and do that. And that's what they did, is they went out to the mountain that Jesus had appointed for them. If you, if you look and, and, and do a study of mountains all throughout scriptures, you'll see that so often God will meet with people at a mountain. God will meet with people at a place of solitude, at a place and a, a time of his choosing, but also in a place where they withdraw from all of the clamoring crowds, where they withdraw from all of the distractions of life. And Jesus meets the disciples here at this appointed time, this appointed place. And they really had no other plan other than let's just go to the mountain. The last thing we remember him saying was, go meet me at this mountain. So that's where we're going to go. I mean, the dead had never risen and, and done this before. Lazarus was, was the only case that they had seen. But now they're like, well, okay, he said to do it. We don't know what else to do. We don't have a plan. Let's do it. Maybe you find yourself at this first Sunday of the year and you didn't make any resolutions. Maybe you've already, you made resolutions, you've already broken them, so you've just given up on resolutions this year. <laughs> but the disciples, they had no further plans. They had nothing else to do other than just follow the, the last instruction that they heard. And if you're in the place today, if you're watching us online and you have already broken your resolution or you've not made any resolutions, then I say good. You're, you're, you're in a good spot because now you're primed and ready to start afresh and to start anew. There's something about a new year that causes us to turn the page and we go forward in faith believing. We go forward in a new direction, and now we can wipe the slate clean. We can start afresh. And this is what the 11 disciples did. And, and you have to kind of wonder, how could they keep going in light of such loss? How could they just even take another step in light of losing their entire life? They had already abandoned their livelihood, many times their families. They had, they had abandoned their reputation, their hometown, everything three and a half years ago. They had done it to follow after Jesus. In their minds, Jesus was setting up a new kingdom on earth. And so they were going to reign with him supreme. But now he's gone and they're homeless, jobless, callingless, purposeless. They have nothing. And how could they go on in this kind of state? And sometimes we find ourselves doing an internal check because what we thought was going to happen didn't happen. Where we thought we would be, we are not there. The news that comes to us was unexpected and unwelcomed, and we don't even know how to reconcile it with what we're dealing with other things in our lives. The disciples were trained to follow the master. Here's what I want you to see. The disciples of Jesus were trained to follow the master like an apprentice does the teacher. And so what they fell back to, what their core was, let's just do the last thing that Jesus said to do. And really, that's the only instruction you need from God is the next thing to do. The Lord promised us that he would direct our steps, that God would work with our steps. He did not promise us that he would direct our inactivity. Hear me. He said, I'll direct your steps in my word. That means you got to be walking. you got to be stepping. You need to pick up the foot and lay it down. You have to start out somewhere. The, the great hero of our faith, Abraham, you get into Genesis chapters 1 through 11, you got all these, these 
wild and, and, and woolly stories and these things that are happening and, and these truth bombs that are just going off and all this stuff happening. And then you get to Genesis chapter 12 and you see how God now deals with one individual and his name is Abram. And God calls Abram out of Ur the Chaldees, out of the land of his parents and his heritage. And what happens is that Abram receives a word from God to go. That's all he got was go. And, and, and you know, Abram, like us, would have had to say, okay, Lord, I'll go. Which direction? You want me to go north? You want me to go south, east, west? Which way do you want me to go? And God just said, go. You'll know it when you get there. <laughs> wow. This is the kind of faith it takes to follow God in the year 2024 is that simply a word from heaven of go. Go. Pick up your foot and step. The Lord will direct your steps, not your inactivity. So some of us, we just need to get started. We just need to make something happen today in a step, in a reach forth, in some kind of activity of our lives to do what we were called and created to do. You know, it's really hard to steer a parked car. It's really hard to write a letter without putting pen to paper. It's really hard to get a job without filling out an application. It's really hard to get close to God without uttering a prayer. It's really difficult to be a follower of Jesus without following Jesus. And so today, what we need to recognize and realize is that God just wants us to take a step. And that's what we're going to do first. We're just going to take a step in his direction. We don't have to be spiritual giants. We don't have to be some elite theologian. God is not looking for that. But one step every single day getting closer to Jesus. That's what we're going to do all year long is we're going to make one reach to heaven. Now, I want you to see something here. It says that when they saw him, they worshiped him. When you get a gaze on Jesus, when you really see Jesus for yourself, not just a story someone else told you, not just a testimony that someone relayed of what God did for them. I love testimonies. I love uh, the, the fact that we can declare what God has done for us. But sometimes someone else's testimony can cause pain to our heart because God didn't show up that way to us. Because the way that God delivered them, he didn't deliver me. And sometimes we can be in this real tug of war. But here is the fact. When you see Jesus, there is on the inside, every fiber of your being has a response. When you really see Jesus is that you do what the disciples did. They worshiped him. But don't stop there. Read the rest of the verse. And it says that some doubted. All worshiped. But some doubted. Now, wait a minute. How can these men walk with Jesus, eat with Jesus, learn on the side and private information of Jesus? Like they, they got the, the hearing of the crowd, but then they also able to ask a question and response afterwards to Jesus. How can all of these guys, 11 disciples that are left, how can they walk with Jesus, live with Jesus, watch him die, hear that he's been raised from the dead. He comes to them as a resurrected embodied soul right here, a person, he's in a body. And it says that they worship, yet some doubted. God uses doubters. Did he use them? God uses doubters. 
Now, I'm not saying that doubting is some virtue, that we should polish our doubt and be like, look, I'm a doubter, no. But God uses doubters. God works through the lives of doubters and skeptics and critics and cynics. God will break through whatever exterior that we put on when we make an inclination, when we take a step, when we just operate in faith, when we take a step towards God, God has already come to us. It says here that he came to them when Jesus showed up and they saw Jesus, they worshiped, but yet even some of them doubted. And I love that it says that he came to them. A lot of times we talk about coming to God, but that's a response. Coming to God is a response on our part of what God has already done. He came to them and then they worshiped, but yet there was still doubt in the room. There was still doubt in in the scene. And here's what I want to say to you, that if, if you find yourself in a place this year of doing some spiritual disciplines and maybe not seeing the results that you wanted to see and having a little bit of doubts of whether it's working or not, you're in good company. The disciples, even the ones who walked with Jesus had inside information. They even doubted some of them. Now we don't know how many, but it said some of them did. And God can work through that. If you will yet surrender those doubts to God. Maybe you walked in here today and you, you doubted this is ever going to touch you. There, there's nothing that's going to uh, make your, your year any different. This day isn't going to be any different. You, you've been from, from thing to thing in life and, and you're just looking for something that might feel different. And you've had these doubts. God can work through those doubts. If you'll surrender that kind of doubt to him, God will work through those doubts. And he showed up to them at the right time. Notice he didn't show up to them on the way to the mountain. He didn't nudge them along and said, come on, boys, get going. You got to get to that mountain. He didn't show up to them when they got to the base of the mountain. But when they got to the appointed place at the right time, that's when God showed up for them. And when you get to the right place at the right time and your heart is seasoned and prepared and you lift up your hands without wrath and doubt, with with holy hands lifted to heaven, when you get to the place of contrition of heart and you get to the place of repentance of heart and you get to the, the place where you're at the end of yourself, God will come to you at the right time, not of your choosing of his choosing and he'll come through and he'll break through in such a way that the next instruction is very important now Jesus tells them that all authority had been given to him in heaven and in earth now this is important because it means that Jesus while on this earth in in physical flesh in his earth suit while a man walking on this earth He had ability to commune with the Father and be empowered by the Spirit, but there were limitations because he didn't have all authority. He had laid down, read Philippians chapter 2, he laid down certain attributes so that he could become like us. And we know that he laid down these attributes on earth because if he had come in all of his divine glory, if he had come with all of the host of heaven, He even says it from the cross that he could have called 12 12 legions of angels to come and to rescue him. But that was based upon appealing to a higher authority. But now we understand that in his life, he had to be limited or else they could never have put him to death. The purpose and the plan was that he would go to the cross, that he would die, descend into hell and three days rise again so that he would conquer death, hell and the grave. That was the plan from the beginning. That was the purpose. He surrendered to that plan. But now he's declaring to them, because of all that had taken place, because of what happened, I now have authority both on earth 
and in heaven. He says, I have all authority. And this is an important distinction because they were going to need the authority of Jesus on their lives to overcome what they were about to encounter, which is spiritual host of wickedness in high places. We wrestle against our flesh. And that's one thing that spiritual disciplines can help us with. Spiritual disciplines can help us to work through the urgings of the flesh. We wrestle against this world, this present evil age. We, we have these, these uh, combatants that are always trying to lure us to do the things that uh, the world wants us to do. And we wrestle against Satan. So we wrestle against the flesh, the world, and the devil. This is, this is age old. This has happened to every generation of Christians. And Jesus declared to them that I have all authority in the seen realm and the unseen realm. I have all authority. And he is about to invest, hear me, he is about to commission, he is about to authorize them with that same authority. Now look what he says in verse 19. Having established all of this, Jesus told them he has the authority, and now he gives them this great commission. It is a go, therefore. What was Abram told to do? His name was changed to Abraham, father of many nations, and he was told to go to a land of God's choosing. This is the reiteration of a go to each and every one of us. It came through the disciples. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then by extension, this is your commission because you are a disciple of Jesus. You are a Christ-like one. Here it is, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples. Everybody say, make disciples. Make disciples. Say it again. Make disciples. Make disciples. Of all nations. That's everywhere. That's not just in 45036. That's not just on 513 or 937. That is make disciples everywhere. Let your light shine among men where they may see the good works you do and glorify your Father in heaven. Make disciples. Now, notice, we are not told to make converts. But conversion is important. We are not told to make Christians, but being like Jesus is the best life you can possibly live. We are not told to go and get people saved, but salvation is vital. We are commissioned to make disciples. I have a short video I want you to see from Francis Chan. I think that he sums this up a whole lot better than I can say it. Watch this, I'll be right back. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Simon Says, right? Most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. it, it Simon Says is, uh, you know, you just, Simon Says, pat your head, you know, so, okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, it's just, it was a very simple game, but it's so weird how in the church, Jesus Says is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it, you just have to memorize it. You, you, you study it, you memorize You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of the things we do, when he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in the, our churches are actually making disciples? They memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. 
You said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. My friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. <laughs> she knows better than that. And so why do we think we're going to come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said and talk about how much we know? It's just, it's just this black and white stuff. If I just started with scripture, I'd go, here's what I would do. I'd start making disciples. So we're not just going to memorize it. We're not just going to study it. We are going to make disciples. Those other things, converts, Christians, being saved, those are so vital, but they are not possible for us to do. Hear me. No one in here has ever made a Christian. No one in here has ever gotten anybody saved. No one in here, including me, has ever made a convert. That is an activity of the Spirit of God. That's not something I can do. Now, I can plant a seed, I can water a seed, but God gives the increase. But I can, and you can, make disciples. Why? Because Jesus said you can. Not only did he say you can, he commissioned us to do it. And so if I am going to make something, I need to be a builder of it myself. That, that means... If I am going to make a disciple, I need to be a disciple. And what we're going to look at this year are strategies, methods, prescriptions, biblical uh, information on what others have done to become disciples and how we can be better disciples. Next week, I'm going to share with you the second hardest message that any pastor ever preaches. It's the, the, the second least like topic that you can find in the Bible for Christians. You want to know what it is? I'm not expecting a big crowd next week. We're going to launch next week a 21-day church fast. Now, if you've never fasted, <laughs> oh, I heard it. <laughs> If you've never fasted, this does not mean that you can't eat all food, okay? There are certain types of fast. We're going to talk about what fasting is and what it is not. You need to come back. The, the, the first hardest message, by the way, is when you talk about money. <laughs> That's no, but that was a, <laughs> We'll get to that one later, but we're going to talk about fasting next week. No, it is a spiritual discipline to deny ourselves something that our flesh wants and really does need. There's nothing wrong with food. You have to have it. You have to have it to live. But when you deny yourself of something in the natural with a focus on the supernatural, when you deny yourself something that you want to gain something that you really need, that's what fasting is all about. That's next week's message. We'll get there. But disciple-making is a co-laboring process with God. Everybody say co-laboring. That means you have a part and God has a part. It's a co-laboring process with God. And I will tell you, it's a lifetime activity. It's a lifelong activity. You never arrive and say, oh, I'm completely sanctified, completely beyond sin, completely and totally a disciple. No, it is a process that's ongoing. It is experiential sanctification. It is a working of God in and through your life. 
And that brings me to the four core values at NSC. And I want to go over these briefly and quickly, but you can see these on our website. You can see these in the hallway when you walk down the hallway. It spells an acronym FREE, F-R-E-E. The first core value is faithfulness, and primarily we are faithful to God's word. Amen. We are faithful to God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word of God is our faithfulness. We are faithful to him. Second core value is relationships. We are all about relationships here at the church. We relate with God through our worship. We did, did that this morning. We do that every Sunday. But there is more to worship than getting together and singing songs together. In our day, in our age, we, we have no excuse. You can have entire choirs and the greatest singers just pop up on your, your mobile device. You can worship God in your car. You can worship in your living room. You can worship God in your office. You can worship on the assembly line, in, in the field, wherever you're at, you can worship God. And this is how we connect with God is through our worship. We relate and we have relationship with others through our fellowship. If you are not connected to a fellowship group, visit the information desk. We have so many fellowship opportunities. It grieves my pastor heart when someone has been here for a little while and they, I haven't seen them for a while, I'll follow up or I'll see them at the store and they say, yeah, I tried out your church for a while. There just wasn't enough fellowship opportunities for me. We have tons of fellowship opportunities. You have to take a step to identify that that is the area that you need to be connected with. We connect with other believers through fellowship. And we relate, we have relate ability with not yet believers through our witness. Believe it or not, someone is watching your life. You are witnessing to someone all the time, whether by words or by deeds. You are witnessing something. And we relate, have relationship with non-believers through that witness. The third core value is experience. We truly believe that having an encounter and experience with God is vital. What if the disciples, when they went to that mountain, didn't have Jesus come to them, they just found a tablet that was written on a stone or scrolled in the dust? That would have been somewhat of an experience, but it would not have been near as, as impactful as Jesus himself coming and experiencing the words and the loving uh, reproof and commission of their Savior. And this experience relates to how that we always as a church want to offer people an opportunity to draw near to God. That is to experience God. And the fourth core value is equipping. And that is making of disciples. We want to equip people to do the things that God has called them to do. And you may not know what the calling or the purpose is until you get around some of these opportunities, until you start to fast, until you start to read the word, until you get into a regular uh, prayer mode and a prayer routine in your life, until you start to walk out some of these spiritual disciplines that makes us disciples. And these core values sum up our mission. Our mission here at New Freedom Church is real people experiencing real freedom. Real people experiencing real freedom. Because here's what we know. Free people, free people. Free people, free people. They do. People who are free want to see others be set free. Want to see others set free. And so back to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. See that word baptizing? I had the privilege at the end of the year, the last week of the year, to baptize a young man. Uh, He he met with me after the uh, Christmas Eve service. And he said, I'm ready. I'm ready to follow Jesus, take that next step and be baptized. And so we didn't hesitate. We didn't wait. We scheduled it. He got baptized. But if you haven't been baptized, there's going to be an opportunity for you. On February the 4th, we're having a baptism Sunday. We're going to open up these pieces of carpet here. and There's a baptism holder here. We're going to fill that up. And we're going to publicly display what it means to take that next step in following Jesus. You can sign up online. You can visit us in the information desk at the lobby. Uh, We would love to, to see you be part of that. And it says he taught them. And we're going to do teaching. And it says he was with them always, even to the very end. Take comfort today to know that God is with you even right now. He's with you to the very end. And this year, we are going to focus on what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. To intentionally practice a range of spiritual disciplines. But it all starts with this. If you have yet to say yes to Christ, if you have not given that place in your heart to Jesus the Savior, then this is your day. This is your opportunity. This is your first step of discipleship. With no heads bowed, with no eyes closed, and with no one looking around. See how I did that? Look up here. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, then pray this prayer with me. I'm gonna ask everybody that that will to pray this. Maybe you've prayed it a hundred times before, pray it again. You might just encourage someone beside you to pray it. It goes something like this. Dear God, I come to you today, just like I am. I'm a sinner. I need your help. I repent of my sin. I accept Jesus as my savior and my Lord. From this day on, I will live for you, God, as you show me how. Amen. Doesn't that feel good? Amen, it does. If you prayed that and you meant it from your heart, we wanna connect with you. We wanna get some more information to you and about you so that we can help you in this spiritual journey. But if you're already a follower of Jesus, and you were saying that just as a reconfirmation of your own faith, then I want to invite you to plug in with us this year on discipleship. I want to encourage you to take a step out of your comfort zone and do something you've never done as a disciple. Maybe it's joining a class, maybe it's teaching a class, maybe it's discipling with another person, a small group, maybe it's reading the Bible throughout the New Testament in a year, maybe it's reading the whole Bible in a year, maybe it's just having a daily time of prayer some way I don't wanna invite you to plug in with us like you've never done before. And I'll remind you that Jesus had 12 disciples and all of them were at a different place in their journey. And so regardless of where you are in your journey of following Jesus, we wanna help you take another step closer to him, amen?